Well, good morning. It is Wednesday, December 6, 2023. Wednesday, December 6, 2023. Uh, Slava Ukraine, Slava. Listen, man, I did a lot of this work last night, and I thought I'd get this out at like 8 o'clock in the morning. But the news kept on happening. And even when I finished writing this, McCarthy just announced that he's stepping, that he's no longer going to run for office, that he's done. Kevin McCarthy of California. This is unbelievable. Uh, anyway, PVTV, Political Views TV podcast. We'll get to more of that tomorrow, McCarthy. I, I didn't have any room. In fact, I don't think I have room for everything that I have. PVTV, Political Views TV podcast. That's what you Google to find me. Tell your friends to Google those four words, Political Views TV podcast, and I'll show up right at the top of the search. Or you can just say, hey, Google. You can just say that and uh, tell and, and tell it to uh, play Political Views TV podcast, and I'll come right up there. Uh, tweet to me. Questions? I, and I really appreciate you, by the way. I really do so much. If you can, I bring someone with you uh, today or tomorrow. That would be awesome. You can tweet to me. Questions or uh, uh, X to me or whatever it's called. Uh, questions, insights, or come fight with me at Cyberclops, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S, on formerly known as Twitter. Let's get to it. A lot going on. Uh, the UAE, uh, we're starting, of course, with uh, uh, Russia and Ukraine. Uh, sort of, this is Russia, uh, Ukraine adjacent. The UAE and Saudi Arabia did not sign on to the ICC. So if you're wondering if Putin will be arrested while traveling there, it may depend on whose airspace he uses. Uh, or he has already used, I think, and then he'll have to fly back. Russian President Vladimir Putin is making a rare trip aboard, uh, abroad today as he meets with allies in the Middle East. Uh, his talks with the leaders of Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates will focus on increasing bilateral cooperation and the war between Israel and Hamas. Ukraine said, it was investigating alleged corruption in arms procurement, but said there was no misuse of Western weapons sent to the country to fight the Russian invasion. Alexander Klemenko, the head of the anti-corruption prosecutor's office, said there are several proceedings related to arms procurement. He added that these included contracts amounting from 10 to 100 million euros, but said he could not discuss details. So uh, still weeding out the corruption, doing an awesome job. The Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office said in a statement, the UK announced 46 new sanctions today targeting individuals and groups that it accused of supplying and uh, funding Putin's war machine. The sanctions include the targeting of businesses in Belarus, China, Serbia, Turkey, Uzbekistan, and the UAE, who continue to support Russia's illegal invasion of Ukraine. Russian weapons manufacturers and defense importers were also among the list of 46 new sanctions imposed, as well as three entities and individuals supporting the Wagner Group. Among those sanctioned today were 31 individuals and entities linked to Russia's military-industrial complex and the designing and manufacturing of drones and missile parts and the importing and supplying key electronic components. According to a historic indictment unsealed today in federal court in Virginia, 
Four Russian soldiers have been charged with war crimes against an American who was living in Ukraine during the Russian invasion. The case against the Russian soldiers marks the first time the U.S. government has used a decades-old law aimed to prosecute those who commit war crimes against American citizens. The four Russian soldiers, identified as Soren Saranovich, uh, Mikhchian, Dmitry Rudnik, V. Alary Nyu and Nazar Nyu have been charged with four counts, including unlawful confinement, conspiracy to commit war crimes, inhumane treatment, and torture. Attorney General Merrick Garland called the charges an important step towards accountability for the illegal war in Ukraine. Ray said during the press conference, the human toll of the conflict in Ukraine weighs heavily on the hearts of the FBI, and we're resolved to hold war criminals accountable no matter where they are or how long it takes. According to the indictment, the Russian soldiers violently abducted the American uh, from his home in the, the Ukrainian village of uh, Milo, Milove, which is spelled my love, which is probably, probably why he moved there. My love, uh, one word. Uh, the soldiers uh, allegedly beat and tortured the American in a Russian military compound where he was held for 10 days in April 2022. After abducting him, the Russian soldiers allegedly stripped the American naked, tied his hands behind his back, and beat him with their fists, feet, and the stocks of their gun. While he was being illegally held by the Russian soldiers, the American was allegedly tortured by the four defendants and other unnamed co-defendants during at least two interrogation sessions. They stripped him naked, severely beat him, and photographed him, according to the indictment. Uh, during the captivity, Russian soldiers allegedly threatened to kill the American, at times pointing guns to his head and a knife to his throat. Russian soldiers also put the American through a mock execution, forcing him to be uh, to the ground, putting a gun to the back of his head, and then shooting a bullet just past his head. The indictment says the American was threatened with sexual assault as well, and after his lawyers uh, failed to satisfy the Russian soldiers, some threatened him with death and asked for his last words. In addition, the American was also put through forced labor, digging trenches for the Russian military. Two of the defendants accused of war crimes against an American in Ukraine were commanding officers of the Russian armed forces, while the other two were lower-ranking members in the Russian army. Yesterday, the U.S. imposed sanctions on a Belgian involved in procuring electronics for the Russian military, his companies, and a group of Belarusian uh, firms and people tied to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Treasury Secretary, excuse me, Treasury's Office of Foreign Assets Control targeted a network led by the Belgium-based Hans de Gettier, uh, which includes nine entities and five people across Russia, Belgium, Cyprus, Sweden, Hong Kong, and the Netherlands. They are accused of being involved with procuring military-grade equipment for Russia. Also, the U.S. Justice, Justice Department unsealed two indictments against Hans de Gettier and the Commerce Department added him and five firms to the entities list. The U.S. announced sanctions against uh, Dmitry Shiatsu, the head of the Belarus Red Cross, accusing him of being complicit in the deportation of Ukrainian children to Russia. Uh, the International Federation of the Red Cross and the Red Crescent Societies 
has suspended the Belarus Red Cross for failing to uh, sack Shashu. Uh, U.S. Uh, sanctions blocked access to U.S. property and bank uh, uh, accounts and, uh, and prevent the targeted people and companies from doing business with Americans. <coughs> Excuse me. Coffee. Eat some coffee if I'm going to get through this. Britain's Ministry of Defense, Britain's MOD, uh, Britain's Ministry of Defense said yesterday Russia has augmented Iranian-supplied Shahid one-way attack drones or uncrewed aerial vehicles uh, with similar weapons made in facilities in Russia since mid-2023. The ministry said on formerly Twitter, Russia is now almost certainly attempting to incorporate improvements to the OWA and UAVs, uh, 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 that's... Uh, uncrewed aerial vehicles, you know, anyway. Uh, uh, Designs based on operational experience. Apparently, they found a SIM card in one one that allows drones to use the cell network instead of satellites to help it be more accurate. Hungary's ruling party submitted a resolution to Parliament today calling on the government not to support the start of talks on Ukraine's EU accession as Budapest steps up pressure on Brussels ahead of a crucial summit next week. Prime Minister Viktor Orban, a puppet of uh, Putin, has warned the EU leaders could fail to reach a consensus, consensus on starting membership talks with Ukraine and said the issue should not be put on the summit's agenda. Distrust of Orban has been running high in Brussels after bitter run-ins during his 13 years in power over the rights of gay people and migrants in Hungary, as well as tightening state controls over academics, the courts, and media. The resulted in billions of euros, uh, this resulted in billions of euros of EU funds for Hungary being frozen, and he desperately wants those. German Foreign Minister Annalena Burbeck urge Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban to drop his vetoes on launching EU enlargement talks with Ukraine and approving fresh cash for Kyiv. Baerbock also lashed out at Serbian President Alexander Vucic for cozying up to Russia and putting his political opposition at a disadvantage ahead of an upcoming elections. Baerbock reacted critically to the latest threat issued by Orban on Monday, the Hungarian leader wrote to European Council President Charles Michel to urge him to remove talks on the opening accession negotiations with Ukraine, like I just said, from the agenda of next week's EU leader summit. Baerbach said in Ljubljana, we have no time for games at this moment. If we are in a situation where peace in Europe is under attack, then we must do everything we can every day and every hour to protect our people, and even more so the people of Ukraine in the best possible way. The EU has planned to approve the launch of enlargement talks and the disbursement of 50 billion euros in financial support for Ukraine during its December 14th-15th summit. But those steps require unanimity. Unanimity. Among uh, all 27 EU leaders, and which includes Orban, allowing Orban to threaten a veto. I, I believe Orban wants that money the EU is holding because of his backsliding economy uh, 
Slovenian Foreign Minister Tanja Fajon also criticized Orban during the press conference. She said, I do not accept blackmail, adding that countries which made reform efforts to become an EU member must not become victims of national politics. Ukraine's military said it shot down 10 of 17 attack drones launched overnight by Russia. The governor of Ukraine's western region said three drones had struck an unspecified infrastructure target, but there was minimal damage. In the Kharkiv region in the east, authorities said drones hit private homes and residential buildings in at least two different settlements. Kiev said Wednesday that Moscow had launched dozens of Iranian-designed attack drones toward Ukraine uh, uh, overnight from the southern Russia and the annexed Crimean Peninsula in its latest aerial barrage. Officials in Kiev says Russia forces have been stockpiling drones and missiles for uh, systematic attacks on Ukraine's struggling energy grid over the winter months. The Ukrainian Air Force said in a statement, a total of 48 Shahid 136-131 strike UAVs were launched, adding that defense systems had downed 41 of the unmanned aerial vehicles. Russia targeted an uh, aid center, a medical center, a pre- uh, residential building in Ukraine's southern and eastern regions, killing three people and injuring at least 11. Officials said the International Rescue Committee confirmed an overnight missile attack hit its humanitarian center, destroying t- stockpiles of aid. Um, Ukraine said the drones hit several important military facilities in Crimea, uh, said that its 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 drones uh, hit several uh, important military facilities in Crimea, including radar systems and an anti-aircraft missile control system. If this is indeed true, depending on the location, the Kerch uh, Strait Bridge may not last. We shall see. Now that I have your attention, let's move on to the next twelve pages. <laughs> uh, do you remember? The old story, uh, and, and let's move on and try and fix the world as well. Uh, do you remember the old story pre-9-11 when there was short selling of airline stock just before the 9-11 attacks of the uh, World Trade Center? Uh, short selling is when you bet a stock would go down. Someone made a lot of money back then betting that uh, airlines would go down. A study by researchers from Columbia University and NYU called Trading on terror suggests that a trader may have been aware of the coming attack, bet against the Israeli economy, and walked away with a nice profit by short-selling on the U.S. and Israeli stock exchanges. The study looked at the Israel Exchange Traded Fund, a common way for people to make investments in Israel, which on any given day has around 2,000 shares shorted. According to researchers, on October 2nd, the number shot up to 227,000 shares. According to Columbia Law School professor Joshua Mitz, one of the authors of the study, that's extremely unusual. It was also profitable that uh, the shares sold uh, short for one Israel company alone yielded a profit of millions of Israeli shekels. The Tel Aviv Stock Exchange yesterday denied that any investors profited Uh, by having uh, advanced knowledge of the October 7th attack and said the Columbia study is flawed. Uh, Yaniv Peugeot, head of trading at the exchange, said the researchers miscalculated 
the profits short sellers earned in the months leading up to the attack, according to the wire service. Mitz said, the other thing we know is that this looks to have been a, the product of a single trader based on what we can see in the data. This is extraordinary unusual. Finding out exactly who made the trades and the profit would be exceedingly different, uh, difficult. And Mitz says, he is, he's the uh, uh, writer of the study, uh, he says he is pessimistic, pessimistic that whoever was betting against the Israeli uh, economy will be found. In response to the study, the Israel Securities Authority has said the matter is, is known to the authority and is under investigation by all the relevant parties. Rape used as weapons of war is a war crime. Absolutely. It's, it's a crime, nevertheless, but it's a war crime. The U.S. did it in Abu Ghraib. Russians do it in Ukraine. It has been alleged Israel does it to Palestinian prisoners. Now it is alleged that Hamas is holding back women, uh, women kidnapping victims because they don't want them exposing that they were also raped. No matter how horrible the crime is, there is always something itching in the back of your head wanting to know if Israel has staged naked bodies and if Israel is just lying because they are so good at it. At it. And because, as you know, Netanyahu has, has said that he knows how to control the people in the United States, including the politicians. Yesterday... Biden urged global condemnation of Hamas's horrific use of sexual violence against women and girls in Israel during the group's October 7th attack, but he does readily believe 100% of what comes out of Netanyahu's mouth. Citing survivor and witness accounts, the president said Hamas repeatedly raped women and girls during the assault and that their bodies were mutilated while they were still alive. Biden said during a campaign reception in Boston, Hamas terrorists inflicted as much pain and suffering on women and girls as possible and then murder, uh, murdered them. It is appalling. It's on all of us, government, international organizations, civil society, and businesses to forcefully condemn the sexual violence of Hamas terrorists without equivocation. And let me just say, sexual violence of any kind is horrible. Sexual uh, violence in war against an enemy is even worse, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, without equivocation, without exception, Biden went on to say, uh, Hamas has denied that it happened, but it's hard to tell which side is lying. At this point, I don't trust Israel, but I would have to believe that at least some were raped by Hamas and that it is a standard war tool used all over the world. Biden yesterday also blamed Hamas for the crumbling of a deal struck last week, which included a pause in fighting and the release of several hostages. Biden said Hamas refusal to release the remaining young women is what broke the deal. The belief is that they were not released because they would have said the, the those released would have said that they were raped. Uh, remember last week, the U.S. threatened to restrict visas to those in the West Bank who attacked Palestinians? I didn't expect Biden to actually do it. 
The U.S. yesterday began imposing visa bans on people involved in violence in the Israel-occupied West Bank after several appeals for Israel to do more to prevent violence by Jewish settlers. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said in a statement, a new State Department visa restriction policy targets individuals believed to have been involved in undermining peace, security, or stability in the West Bank, including through committing acts of violence or taking other actions that unduly restrict civilians' access to essential services and basic necessities. Biden and other senior uh, uh, U.S. officials had warned repeatedly that Israel must act to stop violence by Israeli settlers against Palestinians in the West Bank. Attacks there have surged in recent months as Jewish settlements have expanded. And they should not be expanding, by the way. Blinken. And they should be contracting. They should be giving land back to Palestine. Blinken made clear to Israeli officials during a visit last week that they need to do more to stop extremist violence against Palestinians and hold those responsible for, uh, responsible for it accountable. Asked about settler violence in, news, in a news conference yesterday, Israel, uh, Israel's defense minister, Yoav Gallant, said no one besides Israeli authorities had the right to use violence. He said, Israel is a state of law. The right to use violence belongs only to those who are certified to do so by the government. Which is the, the most insane statement ever, Right? Only people who are certified to use violence can do that. It's like saying, no one is allowed to beat up my sister except for me. It's, oh my God, it's crazy. Or, or no one is allowed to beat up my wife except for me. Yeah, seriously. Because it's, it, it, it's like the people are married there. They can't go anywhere. Right? Ah, this is horrible. Uh, More war crimes the U.S. is involved in. An Amnesty International investigation published yesterday found that Israeli uh, military used U.S.-made munitions in a pair of illegal airstrikes on homes in the occupied Gaza Strip in October, killed 43 civilians, 14 women, 10 men, and 19 children. Survivors told uh, Amnesty that they were not warned of an imminent strike. Both homes were uh, south of Wadi's Gaza, within the area where, on, on the 13th of October, the Israeli military had ordered residents of northern Gaza to relocate to. Photographs taken by Amnesty field workers show two fragments of what appear to be joint direct attack uh, munitions, JDAMs, uh, from Boeing, the most common kind of weaponry that the U.S. has provided to Israel in recent years. This would be another war crime the U.S. is involved in. The codes uh, indicate uh, uh, that were written on the munitions were manufactured in 2017 and 2018. JDAM kits are ostensibly uh, designed to turn unguided bombs into GPS-guided weapons. Agnes Calamard, the organization's secretary general, said in a statement that the revelations should be an urgent wake-up call to the Biden administration. She said the U.S.-made weapons facilitated the mass killings of extended families in the face of the unprecedented civilian death toll and scale of destruction in Gaza. The U.S. and other governments must immediately stop transferring arms to Israel that more likely than not will be used to commit or heighten risks of violations of international law. 
to knowingly assist in violations is contrary to the obligation to ensure respect for international humanitarian law, a state that continues to supply arms being used to commit violations may share responsibility for those violations. And I agree. When will Biden be tried for this by The Hague? A former United Nations human rights official who resigned from his job in October over what he called the world's uh, the world body's refusal to prevent Israel's slaughter of thousands of Palestinian civilians said in a Saturday interview with Al-Arabi Al-Jadid uh, described Israel's Gaza onslaught as the most clear-cut case of genocide I have seen in my career. We are witnessing genocide in the 21st century, and it seems that the United Nations is once again unable to stop it. I realize that the term genocide is being politicized and misused in some circumstances, so as a human rights lawyer, I am careful to apply the term only when there is prima facie case and the evidence is clear. Mokeber worked at the UN for more than 30 years as a human rights specialist, quit in late October, penning a scathing resignation letter that we discussed right here. Uh, Mokeber said... What's interesting about this case compared to others is that generally, when you try to prove genocidal intent, you need to get secret government documents and files and dig through old secret archives to find indicators of intent. Here, we have frank and clear statements of genocidal intent by senior Israeli officials, both public and official, and we talked about all those public statements. Numerous senior Israeli officials have made genocidal statements, including Prime Minister uh, uh, Netanyahu, President Isaac Herzog, Defense Minister Yoav Galan, Agriculture Minister Avi Dichter, and many Knesset lawmakers. And the only reason the Israeli far-right government can act this way is because the U.S. backs them. At a press conference today, U.S. Secretary Department, uh, U.S. State Department spokesperson uh, Matthew Miller was asked about Mokaber's genocide assert, uh, assertion. He said, The State Department has a rigorous process for evaluating what constitutes genocide, ethnic cleansing, or a crime against humanity. Those are terms we only use with very explicit care. It was That was a political statement. He did not answer the question. He went on. We are monitoring the evolving situations and are examining facts as they develop. It's an extremely challenging space to get all the information, but we support Israel's right to continue to take action to ensure that Hamas can never conduct terrorist attacks like it did on October 7th again. And as part of that, we urge Israel to take all possible measures to minimize civilian harm, which was again a non-answer. He didn't answer. He just said, oh, we're looking at it. He didn't say it wasn't war crimes. Asked if Israel is heeding Biden administration's exhortations to protect civilians in Gaza, Miller said, I think it's too early to draw a definitive assessment. I will say that, unfortunately, we do expect to see civilian casualties as a result of this campaign. How much more proof do you need? I mean, seriously, how much more proof do you need? Then he blamed it on Hamas, saying that Hamas was in the area of civilians. If they're in the area of civilians, you're not supposed to bomb the areas. It's against international law. Remember? 
Remember when Vice President Dick Cheney shot a guy and blamed it on him for getting in the way of his bullets? Yeah, it's like that. Um, the voices against Biden and the administration, unlimited uh, uh, support of Israel, are getting louder and more plentiful. Late yesterday, dozens of White House interns sent a letter urging Biden to demand a permanent ceasefire in Gaza. The letter reads, We heed the voices of the American people and call on the administration to demand a permanent ceasefire. We are not the decision makers of today, but we aspire to be the leaders of tomorrow, and we will never forget how the pleas of the American people have been heard and thus far ignored. And of course, that means in the future, Israel will have a tough time getting money from the United States. The, the intern's letter was made public hours after a Data for Progress survey showed that 61% of U.S. voters, including 76% of Democrats, want the Biden administration to call for a permanent ceasefire in the Gaza Strip. More than 40 White House Executive Office of the President interns signed the letter. The White House interns who did not sign their names to the letter, likely out of fear of retaliation, express, expressed their horror at both the brutal October 7th Hamas attack on Israeli civilians and the brutal and genocidal response by the Israeli government funded by our tax dollars. <sighs> President Biden's urgent push to replenish Ukraine's war chest and send aid to Israel is on the brink of collapse in the Senate, where Republicans are prepared to t today to block the funding unless Democrats agree to add strict measures to clamp down on migration at the U.S. border with Mexico. A and you know what? They claim that, that the, the border will be used by terrorists, but it's more likely they'll be used by terrorists in Canada because the border is easier to get through. Why don't we close both borders then? A classified briefing with administration officials called to uh, shore up support devolved into a partisan screaming match yesterday afternoon with Republicans angrily accusing Democrats of trying to steamroller over their demands for a border crackdown. It is now clear that the measure will likely fail, but also severely dimmed in the prospects for any bipartisan agreement anytime soon. Senator Chris Murphy a Connecticut Democrat who played a leading role in negotiations, said as he left the briefing, when Vladimir Putin marches into a NATO country, they will rue the day they decided to play politics with the future of Ukraine's security. Yes, remember, it was Republicans thought, who thought Hitler was an okay guy and some Republicans supported Hitler, and that's what delayed us from joining World War II. That really happened. Senator John Cornyn, Republican of Texas, said they want tens of billions of dollars to keep our friends and allies overseas, but they're not willing to do what's necessary to prevent a potential crisis at the border. The Biden administration just does not seem to care. That's what he said. But Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican of South Carolina, who has been pro-Ukraine uh, aid, said... Count me in on Ukraine. If we do not help Ukraine and Putin gets away with this, you'll be in a war with NATO. I got all that. You will get a robust Republican vote for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, if you have real border security to deal with 
what I think is one of the biggest national security problems I've seen since I've been up here. So he, he says he's, he's for it, but he, we need to uh, clean up the border. Biden called the prospect of allowing aid to lapse just wrong. Uh, last night, he told reporters, the failure to support Ukraine is just absolute crazy. It's against U.S. interests. We're going to get that in. Uh, meaning the, the aid, he's going to get it in. Senators had expected that President Vladimir, Z- Vladimir Zelensky of Ukraine would join their briefing via secure video to make a personal appeal for more aid. But Zelensky canceled at the last minute, leaving the pitch to Biden administration officials, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, Defense Secretary Lloyd uh, Austin, uh, 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 General Charles Q. Brown, the, uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and leaders from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence and the U.S. Agency for International Development. Schumer told reporters that Republicans had hijacked the briefing, using it to grandstand about measures to clamp down on border crossings that Democrats have rejected. He said they are feeling a little bit beleaguered because they're stuck. They're in a box. They don't know what to do, but we're going to keep pursuing this. Earlier yesterday, Schumer tried to rally uh, GOP support to move forward with the bill by offering them a vote on border proposal of their choosing. But Republicans said that was not enough. Under pressure from the House, Republicans have twice refused to include military aid for Ukraine and stop get, uh, spending bills to keep the government funded this autumn. The reason they don't want to do the border separate is because it won't pass. That's why they don't want to do it. That has, uh, uh, this has raised alarms among Ukrainian officials who swarmed Washington yesterday in an attempt to get lawmakers to put aside their political differences. In remarks at the U.S. Institute of Peace in Washington, Andrei Yermak, the head of the Presidential Office of Ukraine, said yesterday that if Congress fails to approve military assistance for Ukraine swiftly, there is a very high possibility that Ukraine will lose the war. Yermak said it would be impossible to continue to liberate and give the big risk to lose the war. What Ukraine is up against is Putin, who is going all in. Putin has made it clear he is investing in a long war. Nearly a third of the country's entire budget for spending next year, roughly $109 billion, will be devoted to national defense according to a budget he signed into law last week. Moving on. A key group of bipartisan lawmakers uh, yesterday introduced their blueprint for renewing controversial surveillance tool section 702 before it expires at the end of the year. We've talked about section 702 numerous times and how it has been abused. Uh, The bill marks the first piece of legislation that lawmakers have introduced in the years-long battle to reauthorize Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, Um, the FISA. The program expiration intelligence officials have warned would impede investigations into ransomware, terrorism, and online crimes. FISA Section 702 allows intelligence agencies to conduct warrantless surveillance of non-American citizens outside the U.S. during investigations. But there's numerous problems. Some privacy hawks, progressives, and conservatives have expressed concerns about how the program collects texts, 
emails and other communication from U.S. citizens who are taking, talking to foreign foreigners abroad. Also, it was used against protesters under the previous administration. Serious violations to the Constitution. So Senators Ron Wyden, Democrat of Oregon, Mike Lee of Utah, Republican, along with Representative Warren Davidson of Ohio, also Republican, and Zoe Lofgren of California, Democrat, and Andy Biggs, obviously Republican of Arizona, introduced, so it's bipartisan, (coughs) introduced the Government Surveillance Reform Act yesterday. The 206-page bill would reauthorize Section 702 for four years, prohibit the collection of U.S.-based communications, and place new warrant requirements on intelligence agencies' searches for 702 data. The bill would allow for searches of Section 702 information in cases where a person is the subject of a criminal warrant, where there is an imminent threat of death or serious serious physical harm to others, and when the third party legally consents on behalf of the person the query is about. The bill also requires intelligence agencies to get prior approval from the attorney general before conducting a search for communications about or from a U.S. citizen. These searches can only be approved in cases related to terrorism, drug trafficking, attacks on critical infrastructure or government officials, and cyber attacks. It's, it's funny how they want to protect government officials, but not regular people. Lawmakers are also pushing the intelligence community to develop a system to destroy certain data obtained through FISA Section 702 within five years of collection. I would say destroyed immediately unless there is an ongoing investigation. Wyden said during a press conference, Americans understand that it's possible to confront our country's adversaries ferociously without throwing our constitutional rights into the garbage can. Our founding fathers made it clear that if the government agencies want to read an American's private communications, they should get a warrant. Privacy advocates, progressives, and conservatives have been pushing for a warrant requirement for queries of Section 702 data following reports of misuse and potential abuses of the program. The Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court found earlier this year that the FBI had improperly used Section 702 database to search for information about a U.S. senator, a state senator, and a state-level judge. Congress has just seven weeks to push either the new bill or another piece of legislation through to reauthorize FISA Section 702. But as you know, the House is gridlocked, and it likely won't happen in time because Republicans will want to add something that is just unacceptable and unpalatable. Moving on. Do you use push notifications on your iPhone or Android? I don't. I never, I, I never get any because I've always say no. I don't want them. U.S. Senator Ron Wyden warned that foreign governments are spying on smartphone users by compelling Apple and Google to turn over push notification records, according to a letter sent to Attorney General Merrick Garland today. Wyden from uh, uh, Oregon, of course, Democrat, said his office investigated a tip 
from last year, alleging the government agencies have been demanding these records from both companies. Since push notifications like news alerts, emails, and social media alerts travel through Apple's and Google's servers, they can reveal unique insights about how individual people use particular apps. Governments can force Apple and Google to hand over these records just like they can uh, be <clears throat> compelled to share any other information. They have, uh, they have uh, any other information they have regarding users, and that's according to the letter. In the U.S., however, Wyden uh, said information about uh, push notification records cannot be released to the public. Apple and Google should be permitted to be transparent about the legal demands they receive, particularly from foreign governments, just as the companies regularly notify users about other types of government demands for data. Wyden wrote, I would ask that the Department of Justice repeal or modify any policies that impede this transparency. We shall see what happens. Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama finally backed down. At this point, Republicans were angry with him. Democrats were angry with him. The people were angry with him. And he likely got a load of screaming constituents when he went home to Alabama for Thanksgiving. But that's not why he backed down. In a single stroke, the Senate approved 425 military promotions after the Senator Tommy Tuberville ended the months-long blockade of nominations over his opposition to a Pentagon policy of reimbursing, reimbursing travel costs for those in the military seeking abortion. Obviously, because he doesn't believe women should have the right to any health care and should stay barefoot and pregnant. The move cleared the way for numerous generals and admirals to take new roles after a nearly 10-month protest. More than 400 military nominations had been in limbo due to Tuberville's blanket hold on confirmations and promotions for senior military officers. It is a stance that has left key national security positions unfilled and military families with an uncertain path forward. He finally relented after heavy pressure from fellow Republican senators who had grown increasingly alarmed about the damage his holds were having on U.S. military readiness. More than half of the U.S. military's 850 senior general and admiral roles had been affected by Tuberville's holds, and that number had been expected to grow to three-quarters of all senior military officials by the end of the year. But this was really a political move. If Tuberville, Tuberville volunteered to back down to make him seem like he was somewhat sane and a reasonable person, it would have been better than the alternative. Senate Democrats had introduced a proposal that would let the Senate make a one-time exception to its rules to confirm the military appointees, and it had garnered enough Republican support that it was going to pass if Tuberville did not shift his position. That's why he did it. Because he was going to lose anyway, and he needed to make it look like he was reasonable. He allowed the Senate to vote to confirm almost all the top-ranked top <clears throat> military positions, but will keep his hold on four-star generals, blocking 10 or so of the most senior military 
promotions. But that is also a problem. But we'll see what happens with that. Yesterday, Dane County, Wisconsin Circuit Court uh, uh, Judge Diane Schlipper found that a 174-year-old law thought to prohibit abortion in Wisconsin does not. In fact, due to, uh, uh, in fact, uh, uh, does not, in fact, do so. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, Slipper's ruling is based on a 1994 state Supreme Court decision that determined feticide is a non-consensual act in which somebody batters a woman compelled to share any other information they have regarding their users according to the letter. In the U.S., where was I? Oop, wait a minute. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, wow. Um... The non-consensual act in which somebody batters a woman to the point she loses the pregnancy. A Schlipper ruled that the law in question, a statute written in 1849, does not apply to abortions but to feticide. A consensual abortion is sought out by a pregnant woman who is voluntarily, who voluntarily determines to end a pregnancy. With the 1849 statute no longer in effect, Wisconsin returns to its pre-Dobbs abortion laws under which abortion is banned 20 weeks after probable fertilization. Of course, this will be challenged by Republicans. The case is expected to make its way to the state Supreme Court, which now has a 4-3 to three progressive majority. Justice, Remember, Justice Janet Pro, uh, Protasiewicz, uh, Pro, was sworn in August 1st after running a campaign that focused heavily on broadcasting her personal values to voters, including support for abortion access. So it'll likely get struck down anyway. Former President Donald Trump is still slated to testify Monday as the ongoing civil fraud trial against him and his company nears an end after Judge Arthur Engeron slapped down an effort by Trump's lawyers to postpone the testimony until after the gag order against Trump can potentially be lifted. Yesterday, Trump attorney Christopher Kies asked Engeron to delay Trump's testimony, to which the judge responded, absolutely not. No way, no how. It's a non-starter. <laughs> Attorneys were asking for testimony to be delayed because Trump is trying to appeal his gag order in the case, which bars him and other parties from speaking publicly about court staff uh, to uh, New York's highest court after an appeals court reinstated the gag order last week. Again, we're moving on. Again yesterday, Rudy Giuliani skipped out on a court hearing ahead of his defamation trial drawing the ire of a federal judge. A pretrial hearing was held in Washington ahead of next week's jury trial to determine how much Giuliani will have to pay in damages to Ruby Freeman and her daughter, Wandria Shia Moss, two Georgia election workers. He was found liable for defaming because he wouldn't turn in uh, 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 what what the court ordered. Uh, U.S. District Judge Barry, uh, Beryl A. Howell began the hearing by asking the attorneys on each side to state their names and specify who was at their tables. Giuliani attorney uh, Joseph Sibley, who was alone at the defendant's table, introduced himself before the judge asked him where Giuliani was when, uh, uh, when Sibley replied that Giuliani was in New York. 
The judge reminded him that her standing order instructed all counsel and parties to be in attendance for the hearing. Howell asked Sibley, how could you have missed that? Or did you miss it? Saying it sets the tone, doesn't it, for the whole case? Sibley told the judge he misread the order and took the blame for Giuliani's absence. Which, and, and, and you know, the judge said, are you falling on a sword here? All right, we all know it's BS. Howell later told Sibley he must submit in writing by noon Wednesday that Giuliani does not plan to object to any of the decisions reached at the pretrial conference. Giuliani's defamation trial is set to begin Monday with jury selection. Howell has already found that Giuliani is uh, civilly liable on plaintiff's defamation, uh, intentional infliction of emotional distress, civil conspiracy, and punitive damage claims because of his willful discovery misconduct and his purposeful shirking of his discovery obligations. Jurors will decide the financial penalty. Florida. Uh, Yeah. You know I can stop there, but let's talk about it anyway. This story should have come out months ago, but nobody realized it. Did you think your child was going to public school to learn, or was your child going to be propagandized? In a legal brief filed over the summer, Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody argued that schools' homophobic book bans are constitutional because public school systems including their libraries, convey the government's message and when the government speaks, it may regulate the content of its own message. Wait, did you just say teachers are supposed to teach children the words of their dictators? Russia has kidnapped children from Ukraine to re-educate them to hate Zelensky and Ukraine. Are you saying Florida is like Russia? A.G. Uh, Attorney General Moody wrote, Florida school libraries are a form, a forum for government speech, not a forum for free expression. The brief came after federal lawsuits were filed in Florida against two county school boards that restricted students' access to uh, the book and Tango Makes Three, a children's book based on the true story of two homosexual penguins that raised a chick together. The Florida AG argued that because schools are able to ban Nazi propaganda under value-based judgments, they should be allowed to make similar decisions about LGBT content. Yes, because the murder of millions of Jews, gays, and blacks is the exact same as same-sex couples who love each other. I will go on to say that books about Nazis shouldn't be banned because it's important to know our history and not forget that the Nazi party was also here in the U.S. and still is. It just goes by a different name, apparently. Nazis burned books and banned books also, remember? Yesterday, Governor Kathy Hochul of New York scheduled the special election in New York uh, to replace former Representative George Santos for Tuesday, February 13th. Party leaders in Nassau County and Queens will pick 
the nomination, uh, the nominees without a primary. The race will be treated as a major bellwether in the traditional battleground corner in New York that Santos won with 54% of the vote in 2022. Democrats are expected to pick former Representative Tom Suozzi, who held the seat before retiring to run for governor in 2022. Republicans have been in the process of screening dozens of potential contenders and expect to announce their nominees soon. Democrats struggled through Long Island in the year's elections, a 10 that continued in local contests last month, but Swozy has a record of outperforming his party and Democrats remain optimistic the seat is winnable. You know, I always say, what you do behind closed doors is your business, but if you do one thing there, but in public rally against people who do it, there's a problem. Like Republicans who dare scream about how gays are destroying the world, but then go to the local glory hole and pretend the mouth on the other side of the wall is female. When he obviously knows better than that. A couple days ago, I saw a story about the far-right Moms for Liberty co-founder Bridget Ziegler of Florida. The far-right Moms for Liberty... uh, The far-right Moms for Liberty engages in book-banning efforts, attacks on public education, religious moralizing, and the promotion of fascist ideology in chapters nationwide. It was about her sexual escapades, what I heard. It was going, I was going to leave it alone, but it got intense. The chair of the Republican Party of Florida, Christian Ziegler, is the husband with the ironic first name of Christian. The high-profile political work of the Zieglers is uh, is they rail against the sexual identities of lifestyle choices of others, and they have been openly hostile to LGBTQ plus community, often suggesting queer people are somehow deviant or morally problematic. New details made public over the weekend via police documents of a rape investigation have added fresh fuel to the political firestorm surrounding Christian Ziegler and his wife, Bridget Ziegler, after an unnamed longtime associate accused Christian Ziegler of rape last week. The emergence of the police search warrant and associated affidavit showed that the alleged victim said she had engaged in consensual three-way sexual relations with the Zieglers in the past, but on the day of the assault on October 3rd, tried to call off the encounter because Bridget would not be there to participate. According to text messages quoted in the affidavit, the victim said, sorry, I was mostly in for her. Florida Democrat Party Chair Nikki Freed in a statement last Thursday said allegations of rape and sexual battery are severe and should be taken seriously. I applaud the accuser's bravery in coming forward against a political figure as powerful as Christian Ziegler. And I trust that the Sarasota Police Department will conduct a thorough investigation into these allegations of criminal behavior. Given the severity of the allegations against him, Freed called on Christian Ziegler to resign from his post. A call echoed later by Governor Ron DeSantis. Let me tell you, if freaking Ron DeSantis thinks you should resign, you've pretty much hit rock bottom. Freed said 
that what happened behind closed doors is Christian and Bridget's personal business, but added that she did find it interesting that two people who are obsessed with banning books about gay penguins might be engaged in a non-traditional sexual relationship. Referring to the children, that children's book we just talked about, you know, uh, and that, that's being banned in schools. Freed said, as leaders in Florida's uh, GOP and Moms for Liberty, the Zieglers have made a habit out of attacking anything they perceive as going against family values, be it reproductive rights or the existence of LGBTQ Floridians. The level of hypocrisy in this situation is stunning. Wow, I made it in under an hour. Uh, and finally, the oldest man in television, from television, is dead. Carl Reiner, still alive. Mel Brooks, still alive. Norman Lear, dead at 101. It wasn't just All in the Family, Good Times, and the Jeffersons. He was executive producer of the uh, of the cult movie classics, The Princess Bride and Fried Green Tomatoes, and was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Screenplay for Divorce American Style. We're going to miss you. Anyway, that's it. Thanks for listening. Wednesday, December 6, 2023. Wednesday, December 6, 2023. Man, do I appreciate you. Bring someone with you if you can today or tomorrow. PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me. I'll show up right at the top of the search. Tweet to me questions, insights, or come fight with me at CyberClub, C-Y-B-E-R-C-L-O-P-S. And remember... Always remember, government profit is measured by the betterment of the people. Don't you ever forget it. I'm Peter Lawrence, reporting from Los Angeles.